Welcome to another edition of Interesting People. I am joined by John Rasmussen. He is a shaman. Hey, John, how's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm doing great. So you're a shaman. I've interviewed a couple of different people. What exactly is a shaman? So a shaman is a person that has these gifts to be able to see things other people don't, dialogue with nature, and then use that, you know, healing abilities and so on, use that to improve the quality of life of the village. So it's really the broad envelope that covers all of those modalities. Oh, so you said village. Is is shaman more of like a, uh, I don't want to say the term native or something like that. Is that more of like a, well, a Western world thing? I say that because, you know, it does come from the primary cultures, right? So it goes back as far as anyone knows in, you know, the history of Homo sapiens and continues. So there's still maybe one out of a hundred people born with these gifts because the size of the village right, for most of our existence was probably about that, you know, 150 people or something. I just think we haven't changed that much. And I think even if though we live in modern world, you know, in a modern world in large cities, there's still people born to be the shaman. Is it an awakening that happens? Do you know early on that that's a case or do you just, does, does the shamanism happen? Well, ideally you would know early on. And I, I wanted to add too that the village is now sort of a global village, right? Since we're all connected. Yeah. So, Typically, you would notice the sort of behaviors of, of the child, you know, by age four or five, perhaps, that are somewhat different. You know, the hypersensitivity sometimes could be, you know, diagnosed as autism in its extreme or, you know, somewhere along that spectrum. And if we live in a village, if you will, or, or a society that recognize that still, then we would know pretty early on who that is. And they would typically begin to train and teach and, and help to use those gifts in a way that was safe and effective. But for most of us in the modern culture, it's, it happens a little later on in life when we finally figure it out. Is the purpose of a shaman not just to observe or find out, but is it to like heal that's the difference, right, between someone who does a reading, like a psychic or a tarot reader. That's an aspect of shamanism, right? That's what we call the tracking part, where we're kind of seeing what's going on energetically or physically or whatever's going on in their life. But then really is the task of the shaman to help to change or improve the situation. And healing really is coming into a place of freedom and power. So freedom from influences, negative influences that would get in the way of you creating the life you would prefer and power to be able to do that, you know, sort of write your own script. So a shaman is more about maybe helping a living person with the spiritual world instead of focusing directly on spirits then? In a very practical, pragmatic sense, it's the living that, you know, here we are focused in this theater in that way. So it makes sense to focus on that. But we can also work with souls that are in the non-physical so that when they do come here again, they'll have a better time of it. Where did you go to learn uh, the shaman trade? I actually had started by about age 20 studying everything I could get my hands on and many healing modalities and shamanic traditions essentially around the world. But kind of the, the majority of it and the most comprehensive training that I got was through this Four Winds Society and the Healing the Light Body School that was created by a Dr. Alberto Vialdo, you know, 20 some odd years ago and is helping to initiate and teach shamans all over the world, based primarily on the teachings of the Caro natives of the Andes and uh, other teachers. Have you ever been down to that area? Have you been down to South America and visited those areas? Yes, and as part of my training, we would go visit 
Peru, the area of Peru where the Carol uh, would meet us, teach us, initiate us. We'd also go into the Amazon, work with the healers there a little bit. But I've been there every year for about 15 years, both as a student and a teacher, then bringing uh, clients there to experience my teachers directly. Uh, so what's the, and maybe this is not a job that has that, but what's the average week of a shaman? <laughs> it's, uh, it is different. You know, shamanism is a very open system, so we're all kind of unique and we all bring different things to the table. You know, I'm one of the rare, I think, modern sort of quote-unquote full-time shamans just over the years by word of mouth. More and more, I've been able to sort of quit my day job and essentially pay the rent. It's interacting with people who contact me to schedule sessions, do sessions over phone and Skype and in person, and I travel to where there's more people. I live in Monterey which is a small population. So I, I've been going to L.A. and the San Francisco Bay Area once a month for the last 15 years to do house calls, basically, and just work with clients. You said, uh, I've noticed it said you've worked with, like, world leaders, businesses, any of that kind of, any kind of, like, high-profile cases you can mention? Well, <laughs> there's a little bit of a confidentiality thing, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I've been working with, but uh, I work, uh, I've been doing the, this work at a place called the Post, uh, the Post Ranch Inn in Big Sur, which is a very exclusive sort of high-end glamping, they call it, resort uh, with tree houses and sod root houses and very connected to the nature there. And they host those types of people. And through there, I have done many sessions now with uh, prime ministers and business leaders. And so there's that, but also just word of mouth in my own private practice. I've worked with a few people like that. Many of the sort of actors that you hear about out there, I've done work for. See Rob Lowe, and you know, I've been, that's more obviously out there because he's, he talks about it openly and now working with him in his uh, show. And I've been working with he and his family for a while. That's one of the things I'm kind of curious about because with your stuff with Rob, my future father, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you guys are actively going into places ghost hunting. Is it a lot of ghost hunting kind of stuff or is it people who feel like something's wrong? Like uh, when you mentioned the glamping, is that because the area where people are glamping has something wrong with it? Or are people going there because they know they can reach you to solve an issue? It's a little bit of both. So first of all, this is just a resort that people go for vacation, right? So mm-hmm. they're just enjoying the Big Sur area at this beautiful hotel. And and incidentally, they may get us, they, they see me on the menu, you know, the spa menu. They say, hey, maybe I'd like to get a shaman session. This looks interesting. And it turns out it's extremely powerful work that can transform their lives. And, and, and then there's some people who do know that and have heard about me and do want to come there specifically to work with me and also enjoy a nice vacation. When it comes to what I'm doing with Rob, this was a sort of separate thing where he was putting together this TV show, this reality show, The Low Files. And we were sitting around and he and he and his wife said, hey, you know, you should be in this. And it's many things, sort of like Scooby-Doo and Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown combined. They kind of cover as many kind of the mysteries as they can, right? It's really going on here. So there's the ghost hunting. There's going to be Bigfoot coming up this Wednesday, I believe. There's like looking for aliens, which is the other one I'm in. And then there's remote viewing and looking for kind of like these strange things. And is it true or not? You know, he's not out to try and make it spectacular. You know, it's, it's basically like just really looking to see if it's real or not. And sometimes we find stuff, sometimes we don't. They pull out a whole bag of goodies in the first episode that you had some level of familiarity with. In your mm-hmm. day-to-day, it doesn't seem like you're often walking around with like uh, the meters and the, no, the obelisk. that's not what I do. <laughs> My work is without all of those gadgets, certainly. I'm more direct connect 
with the spirit world and, you know, don't really need the gadgets to do that. But that wouldn't make good TV to just have a camera focused on me doing nothing but sitting there and all this stuff going on in my head. Right? <laughs> in fact, there's, there's one scene where we're going down this ravine and in my head, I'm thinking, OK, I'm going to I'm going to heal the spirit that guided us down here. And I don't know if it's a Miwok and I should do a Miwok. Indian prayer, or I should do a shamanic prayer like I usually do, or, or this is a Christian and I should do a Christian prayer. And I was thinking that in my head, and right in that moment, the, the little uh, ovulus device said Bible. So it gave me the answer, right? And so I was like, oh, okay, this means Christian. Obviously, we have to have these devices and things to sort of show what the spirits are capable of saying and telling us. And they work really well. They're really cool. I mean, I've watched those ghost, you know, adventure programs and I'm fascinated by that stuff. And so is Rob. And so we got those gadgets so that we could have fun with that. How often do you use like the herbal, uh, I don't want to say remedies, but uh, I've ran into yeah. my current adventures. Sage is definitely a thing that comes up wanting to sage an area. Right. That is a pretty standard. So, so all these shamanic practices is a universal all over the planet in every culture at some point or another, right? Many of them have been sort of squashed out in different areas, but there's only so many ways to work with nature and work with things to help, you know, heal people and so on. And so, yes, what these, what the sage and the cedar and the frankincense are these sort of herbal things, this, this agua de florida that I use, that I use my breath to spread instead of smudging it and burning it like is done in many other cultures. That is just useful in clearing the energy of a space. I don't ingest it. Nobody ingests that, at least not in my practice. I'm not like an herbologist. That's not the, the specialty of mine. You know, other healers do specialize in, you know, like Chinese medicine and curanderos and curanderas. Uh, they may do herbs for physical healing, but in this case, it's used to actually just clear the energy of a space. I love the global aspect of this, The yeah. uh, how much you're taking effort. Is there a culture in particular that you still want to look into? Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's all really useful and beneficial. And, and over the years, I, I have studied most of it in one form or another. Then it just becomes like, what are you really good at and what do you want to spend your time doing, right? So I've kind of got that dialed in now. You know, I like the way I work. You know, the, the sort of four wins model to me is the most efficient, effective way for me to help people and then collaborate with or work with their herbologists or their acupuncturists or their massage therapists, their yoga teacher, their religious practices. I mean, it's all complementary and it all addresses different aspects of our being in different ways. And I'm curious, so you mentioned you do phone and Skype session. Maybe that's something any of our listeners were out on the East Coast, so you'd still they'd still be able to talk to you. What what in particular would you say, like, if someone wanted to reach out, what are things that you in particular can help with? It's exactly like my in-person sessions because the level that I work at, kind of going back to the previous question, is the level of the soul. It's, it's the pure energetic or non-physical aspect of our being. So it's outside of ordinary space and time. It's non-local. It's not affected by time or space. So that's why I could do it over phone and Skype. And so I just deal with anything they come with. I mean, literally, this can help to shift or transform or bring in mm -hmm. better experiences around health, relationships, work, resources, all of life. You know, yeah. if you're having trouble in any one of those areas, this can help. How powerful are dreams in shamanism? Dreams are great because dreams are another form of tracking, like the tarot cards and that kind of thing. In other words, when we're sleeping and we have dreams or I have a, a dream about 
somebody. It's basically a, a sort of non-physically limited, right? It's outside of ordinary time and space, and it gives you a more pure sense of what your energetic signal is asking and receiving. You know, how you feel in a dream, aside from the kind of bizarre symbology in it, is kind of tells you what your underlying unconscious, you know, destiny is or where you're heading. And then we can take that and we can change it. It's literally called like changing the dream, you know, and then there's dreaming while awake, which is my whole dreaming into being thing where you could actually just fantasize or use your imagination and ability to create a situation that you would prefer to be experiencing. Okay, so you can will something into, or is that a positive energy thing? Or are you are you so focused on it, you're kind of making it real? Well, it is. It's, it's a positive energy thing. Like, it's hard to explain. There's sort of the unknown and the unknowable in shamanism. Like, how does placebo effect work? How does law of attraction work? Like, how is it that our thoughts can sort of manifest our experiences, right? Your mind has a certain power in that. Like, it has the ability to, with the way I say it, send a signal that can then be answered, you know, and, mm. and sort of delivered in some mysterious way by the universe. But on these deeper levels, you're the sort of mythic level and the and the soul level, those are that's also sending a signal. And it can override the mind. And that's why some people have such a hard time just, you know, thinking positive and manifesting, right? Like, oh, it doesn't work. And it's like, well, because there's a bigger signal coming from your unconscious layers. Basically, shamanism is to to make sure we address all of the layers, get the signals to match up so that your ability to manifest is much greater. Do you meditate? I spent many, many years meditating um, as part of my journey, my personal journey and practice. But the funny thing is that shamans don't meditate in the way that we think of it, like just quieting the mind and breathing. I actually have a CD about seven different meditation techniques that I've learned over the years that I find most effective, but they're more action-oriented. Like the shamans would meditate, as they say, on a sword on a mountaintop in a thunderstorm, like an act of power, like, you know, um, <laughs> more of a more of an art, music, poetry movement. We want everything to be a meditation. We want The ideal, whole, healthy, natural human would be fully present in every moment, right, whether it's pleasure or pain, and that becomes meditation. So the act of meditation that we know about, you know, in our society now is one way to try to get to that place of of presence. But there's other ways. The shamans use these other ways. What is the most spiritual place that you've ever been to in this country? Quite honestly, it's where I am now. Uh, There's a lot of people that say that this particular area of the West Coast from Monterey, Point Lobos, all the way down to Big Sur is is spiritual. And the, the natives and the missionaries back in the day called it the Ventana, the window between the worlds. And that's really what a spiritual place means in the in the low files. You know, I mentioned the Quechua word waka, which is, again, where the veil between the physical and the non-physical worlds is very thin. And so you can really access and do work much more easily, like the work I do is much more easy in those places. It's less about a kind of esoteric, like, you know, woo-woo thing. It's much more practical. It's like, how do we take advantage of the ability to get into an altered state or get to that soul-level energetic uh, non-physical place or spiritual place and do something with it? You know, as my teachers would say, grow corn with it. Otherwise, it's just, they say you can have a spiritual or mystical experience, but that's wonderful, but so what? How do you grow corn with it? They always bring it back to, you know, 
instead of just talking about it, can we use it to improve our quality of life here in the physical world? That's a beautiful idea. I love that. Grow corn with it. You know what? That fits. We're a country station. We, we got to start using the phrase grow corn with it. That's awesome. <laughs> right we're good at that all right so one final question the question that i have to ask so what are my chances of being adopted by rob Lowe and being welcome to the low files <laughs> well you know rob is a beautiful generous man and soul he's he's an amazing friend amazing father husband i mean honestly i i absolutely love him and so i would say you know your chances are pretty good Ooh. and maybe even better if you had four legs and a tail and a wet nose because he certainly loves adopting dogs huh and um but <laughs> so what you're saying is i gotta no, I, mean, I gotta adopt a dog see my angle is i thought i could be like his <laughs> i'm older than his actual i'm 32 so it's like i could be like the expendable son and things in case things go bad and he's got a pick he can immediately pick me he doesn't have to worry i'm just the late comer yeah <laughs> you know i i'm with you on that i'm with you on that i, I feel like i'm their adopted shaman already I, they, they, <laughs> they're a very beautiful family and uh so yeah i think there's a there's a chance that you at least make a cameo Oh, man. Awesome. I, I got to tell you something kind of funny because I know you probably didn't see it, but I had a tarot card reading with a spirit medium about this, and they said, he will not adopt you, but you will most likely get a cameo. So you're the second person that told me that I'm destined for a cameo on the low <laughs> files. Go. So there we go. I'll put my positive energy. I'll be focusing on it, and maybe I'll get on season two if they haven't already started filming. <laughs> that, that would be great. There we go. Thank, great. thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, how can people uh, find out more about you? Uh, your webpage, social media? Yeah, I have a webpage a friend of mine just made for me. It's called shamanjohn.com. You know, no H, just one word, shaman, John, J-O-N. And most of my info and sort of links to, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff I'm trying to get with the program. But um, <laughs> it's not really what I do, right? <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. I have a YouTube channel with some informative videos, so they could find it all there. Fantastic. And I can confirm for people, you do answer your email. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do the best I can. I'm just uh, happy to be, I'm grateful to be able to do what I do, you know, and it's, it, is a, it is a great gift and uh, very fulfilling.